Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Thank you, Grace, for uh, for your prayers this morning, for leading us through this uh, this portion of our service. Thanks, Chet, and the worship team for leading us in worship earlier today. Awesome to be here together as a church family. For those who are gathered as uh, as our in-line family, online in-person rather family, as well as our uh, online family, it's good to be here together today uh, as one larger Ebenezer family. For the last number of weeks, our sermon series has been focusing on hearing God, as Grace mentioned. And we've seen that God does, in fact, speak today, and that his desire is for us to hear and to recognize his voice. We've seen that he speaks to us as our Father, who always has our best in mind. We see as well that he speaks to us as our King and our Lord, who invites us into his kingdom purposes. And as we join him in that, and as we continue to hear him, he actually provides life abundant, life that we could never understand and engage in on our own. We've seen that God uses his word to speak to us. And this includes both the Logos word, which is the written uh, word given to all believers, and the Rhema word, which is a specific and personal word for, for individuals. Last week, we looked at the different ways that God speaks to us. Uh, Layton did a, a great job of just laying out some teaching in terms of the different ways that God speaks. And then we had a number of our staff um, from in, the admin team in the, sta- in the church here as well who shared stories. And those were great. Thanks for doing that. Um, Those were amazing to hear, and and it's fantastic to see that God does, in fact, speak to us, and we see that in his word, and we see that through our experience. Today, what we want to do is look at the next principle of hearing God, and I'll give that to you right now, and that's this. God gives practical and often specific direction to his people. God gives practical and often specific direction to his people. He wants to address the needs and the issues and the lives of those who follow him. In Scripture, we read about God's desire to direct us. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. In the Gospels, Jesus modeled this pattern of receiving direction from God. His ministry consisted of only that which he received from the Father. John 5:30. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. In John 5, 19, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. We see this model of following God clearly in the example of Jesus, but it's been this way actually from the very beginning. At the moment of creation, we see God conversing with Adam and Eve, giving direction to be fruitful and increase in number and to fill the earth and subdue it. Later in Genesis, we find God telling Noah to build an ark to to escape the impending judgment. And then he gave him the exact details of how to build the ark. God also spoke specifically to Abraham. He called him. He asked him to leave his country and go to the land that God would show him and then later give to him. And this was the start of a conversation that we see through Scripture between God and Abraham. God took Moses up to the mountain where he gave him the Ten Commandments. Later, he asked him to build the tabernacle, and again, he gave them the details, like the map, the blueprints of how to do it. In the New Testament, we also find the example of the Apostle Paul. 
And he was instructed twice by the Holy Spirit not to go to certain places, namely Asia and then Bithynia. But then at night, Paul received a vision that he should go to Macedonia instead, where they preached and many responded. You can read that account in Acts chapter 16. God has directed his people specifically from the beginning, and he wants to do that for those of us who follow him today. Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, put it this way. When you don't know what to do, God will guide you. He didn't design you to go through life on your own ingenuity and power. You don't have to just hope you can figure things out. God wants to lead you on the right path, and he will when you surrender to him and to his guidance. God's desire is that we hear him and receive what he has for us, that direction, that practical piece of guidance. But sometimes we're a little bit hard of hearing. But a month and a half back or so, the week after Thanksgiving, Sand and I were in the kitchen, we were making lunch. Turkey sandwiches, right? That's what you do after Thanksgiving. And right in the middle of putting all of these sandwiches together, all the bits and pieces, she asks me to go get the mail. Thinking this is a little bit of an odd request. I mean, we're making lunch here, right? But I'll get the key. Mailbox is about a block away, half a block away, I guess. I'll go pick up the mail if that's what you want. But since the timing of the that request seemed a little bit off, I just did a double check. And all of a sudden, I realized that she said, can you go get the mayo, not the mayo, all right? Which was actually right in the fridge behind me. So I got that, put it on the counter. We had a great lunch. Now, as I get closer to 60 than 50, I'm finding that more and more of these hearing faux pas are happening to me. A couple of Sundays back, I was chatting with the music team, the worship team between services, and I mentioned to Adriana and to Levi and Anna how much I appreciated the team's ministry that morning. Adriana responded with this. It's the dream team, okay? She obviously enjoyed who she was ministering with that morning. But I heard her say something very different. I heard her say, it's the drinking. <laughs> okay, that's obviously very different. We gotta talk about that. Like, Chet, what are you doing in these morning practices, you know? Now, obviously, I hadn't heard right, and we laughed, and I clarified it, and we moved on. But I think one of the most awkward <laughs> hearing faux pas that has happened to me um, took place a little while back. I was with a friend of mine. We were having coffee. This was pre-COVID. And we were talking about our old trucks. I got an old GMC. And I had just fixed some of the rust in the bottom corner of the cab. And I was telling him about it and how I had done this. I do some body work on, my, on the side just for my own purposes, right? And he responded, he had an old GM too, that he also had some rust along the bottom of the door. And he said, I got some rust in the door skin, like that metal on the outside of the, of the door. And I actually heard something very different, close, but very different, and I can say it this morning because it's in the Bible. I heard him say he had rust in his foreskin. <laughs> that is very different. And that is something that I needed to clarify. You know, you need to see a doctor about that if that's what's happening for you. I hope it's not contagious, you know. We don't always hear things perfectly, right? I'm hoping you're hearing me clearly this morning. But we don't always hear things perfectly. Sometimes we get confused. Sometimes we mess things up a little bit. and We don't always get it right. And just like our human ability to hear and understand clearly gets compromised at times, our ability to clearly hear what God has spoken specifically for us, that can get compromised at times too. So here's the question. 
Big question for the rest of the sermon this morning. We're going to answer this question for the rest of our time. What can we do to improve our ability to hear this specific direction and even practical direction that God has for us? What can we do to hear that more clearly? Big question for the rest of the morning. Here's the first thing that we can do. We can begin with a posture of submission. Henry Blackaby, it's a name that some of you may be familiar with. He was a pastor here in Saskatoon during the revival of 1971, which actually began here in Ebenezer. He wrote a book called Experiencing God. In his book, Dr. Blackaby says this, the key to knowing God's voice is not a formula, nor is it a method that you can follow. Knowing God's voice comes from an intimate love relationship with God. Hearing God begins with our placing our trust in Him, our faith in Him. John 8 says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So when we realize our need of God, when we come to Him, we say, please forgive me. Be my Lord, be my King. When we submit to Him in that way, that line of communication opens up between us and God. Oftentimes, the Bible starts to, to read a little differently. It makes sense when it didn't before. And we can sense that the Spirit of God is starting to work in our lives and, and speak to us. Now, this posture of submission starts when we first realize our need of God and continues throughout our entire lives as we experience Him. Now, it means a couple of things. It means that we accept God's Word, the Bible, as the final authority in our lives, and it means that we are willing to submit to what Scripture says and live our lives under that authority. But submission is also more encompassing than that. In Romans 12, Paul says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, true and proper worship. Do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And here Paul describes the submission, and he uses the phrase, a living sacrifice. So a living sacrifice, what is that? I mean, it's, it's a big picture, but just a couple of thoughts from that today. A living sacrifice means that we daily choose to make ourselves available to be used by God for His purposes. It means we intentionally set aside our own desires to follow what God would have for us instead. It's surrendering ourselves to God so that we can fully engage in His purposes for us. And when we, when we come with this posture of submission, when we surrender ourselves to God, then we can know and understand God's perfect will. Now, at first submitting ourselves to God, it can sound a little bit one-sided, like God using us for His purposes and nothing more, but nothing is further from the truth. When we recognize our need for God and submit himself, ourselves to Him, He becomes our Heavenly Father. This means that whatever His plans are, that He always has our best in mind. And submitting to God also means that He becomes our Lord and our King, and as such, He has His highest kingdom purposes in mind for us. And as we engage in those, there's nothing that can, can bring higher blessing and higher honor than in aligning ourselves with God and what He has for us. So when we embrace God and submit to Him as Father, Lord, and King, our lives may not be what we expect. You know, things may not go the direction we first think, but they will be fulfilling 
and incredibly exciting as we listen and then follow God into the kingdom ministry that he has for us. Having said that, you know, that's down the road. We have to always remember what's at the beginning, and that's that commitment to Christ first and foremost. That relationship, that's the basis for knowing the voice and the will of God. We need to be continually working at at cultivating that life-giving relationship with him. All right? Begin with that posture of submission. I'm going to give myself to God whatever it is that you have for me. The next thing we can do to hear God's direction is to seek and receive that direction. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Psalm 25, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Now, Scripture is clear that God directs us through his word. Now, there are two original words in in the original languages that are translated both as word in our language, in our translations. And these are the Logos word and the Rima word. And we've talked a lot about this the last couple of weeks, but I just want to do a quick review because it's really important. Three times in John 1.1, Logos is applied to Jesus. It's the personification of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, this is talking about Jesus. Now, the rest of the time that we see logos used in Scripture, it simply means what God has said or what God has to say to you. This is the Word of God to everyone. It's the written Word of God. It's, It's the general revelation of God to all believers. It's the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Things like the Ten Commandments, things like the Sermon on the Mount, Um, These things are in that general word to us as all believers. Now, God also directs us through his Rima word. This is a specific message or direction intended for a specific person and situation. And I think we've used this example before, but Genesis 17, Abraham and Sarah, well advanced in years, like in their 90s, and they were told by God that Sarah would give birth to a son. Now, this was a specific word to them. This doesn't mean that if you're 90 years old here today that you should have children, all right? A lot of us are going, that's a good thing, right? Two important principles when it comes to understanding how God speaks. God speaks to his followers through both the Logos word and the Rima word. Logos and Rima work together. A special Rima word will never be in contradiction to the Logos word. In fact, it seems the more that you know the Logos Word, the more you know your Bible, the written Word of God, the more God will speak to you with a Rima Word. Now, one writer explains the interaction of Logos and Rima like this. The Logos Word is like a well from which all believers drink. The Rima Word is like a cup of water given to a specific believer to quench a specific thirst. All right, so how do we then continue to seek and receive this direction? We start again by saying that, by trusting that God will speak. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Okay, we know this this part. We've read this. But James continues with a caveat. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, when we receive guidance from other people, we receive that, and how we receive that speaks to the value that we place on this person's perspective and the degree of trust that we have in them. 
If the guidance is coming from someone that we have a good relationship with, from someone that we trust, then we're much more likely to consider and accept what they give us. Same holds true of God. When God offers guidance through the scriptures or through a personal word to you, how do you respond? James says that we need to believe and not doubt. God is completely trustworthy. God is infinitely wise. And so our response to him should indicate this, the trust that we have in him. And if we develop that strong relationship God, with God, then we'll be able to respond with unwavering belief. Trust that he will speak. And then invite him to speak. Invite him to speak to you. Spending time in the Word of God has always been an important value for me. Years ago, I began to experience parts of Scripture that would, as I was just reading, I'd get up early in the morning, and I had this big old armchair in my little corner office, and I, I would read, and I would spend time with God. And I would find that parts of Scripture would just pop out. They would direct me or encourage me, or maybe, um, you know, there's something there that I needed to repent of. And I didn't know the difference between the Logos word and the Rima word at that time. I just knew that God was speaking. And I wanted to invite that. And so I looked at what Scripture had to say about that process. In 1 John 4, we read this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Excuse me. With this passage as my basis, I started many of my times with God with a simple prayer, inviting the Spirit of God to speak to me. The Spirit that recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came into our world physically, that He gave Himself for us on the cross, that He rose, and that now He's seated with the Father at the right hand, interceding for us. And we were talking about this whole process in staff meeting a couple of weeks ago, and I shared kind of what had been my practice, and, and Chet said that his YWAM training actually encouraged the same thing. Starting our, our devotional time with God in this way sets parameters. It can set parameters around what we hear. It allows the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, room to speak to us. And it pushes back and blocks any other spirit that doesn't recognize Jesus from getting in the way. And that's important for us to remember because we do have an enemy in the spiritual realm. And he wants to pull us away from God, and he'll go to considerable lengths to do it. Ephesians 6.11 says he's a schemer. John 8.44 says he's a liar. 1 Timothy 3.7 says that he attempts to snare us. So we come in faith. We invite the Holy Spirit to speak. These are important pieces. And then we can move on to receive what God has for us personally. And again, we talked about this last week. Leighton laid a teaching basis down for us in terms of how God speaks. And several of the staff shared just experiences that they've had with God speaking in these different ways. I'll just quickly do a, a very fast review here. God speaks with an audible voice at times. He spoke to Samuel that way. Through angels, to Abraham and Zechariah. He spoke to Joseph in a dream, to Peter in visions. Sometimes he'll speak through other people. And our hope in our prayer is that on Sundays when we come and we, we speak, we're hoping that God will speak through us. It's not about us. It's about God speaking. That's our prayer. 
through a still small voice. Elijah experienced that through reading scripture. And our hope and prayer is that every one of you would experience God speaking to you personally through scripture and then through circumstances as well. These are just a, a few of the ways that God speaks. But it's clear that God does speak to his followers through the Logos word and through the Rima word. Now, when you sense that God has spoken, when he's given you a Rima word, it's important to test and confirm what you've heard. And right now I want to talk about the old milk stool analogy. How many of you know what a milk stool is from in the dairy barn? I'm not sure if people are scratching their heads or if they actually know what it is. Bernard would know what this is. It is a short stool with, it's a sturdy stool with three legs on it typically. And it allows the, the dairyman, the farmer, to get down at working level and, and do the milking, right? Now, picture that stool. And, and we're going to use this as a reminder to help us uh, engage in what it is that we need to have when we test and confer. All right, so when you sense that God has spoken to you, take that Rima word from God and place it on the seat of the stool. And the legs should uphold what it is that you believe you've received. So those legs actually consist of three tests. We're going to talk about those here. First test is scripture. First leg of the stool is scripture. A couple of important questions that we need to engage here regarding the scripture, the biblical test for what you've received. If what you've received is in line, is what you have received rather, in line with sound biblical doctrine, the Holy Spirit will never ask us to do something that's contrary to his written word. When you're building a house, things have to be kept level. You need a good level. A level is a standard used to align every key piece in the building. Everything in the house must be kept level and straight. If it's not, you're going to have problems. You know, doors and windows aren't going to work the way that they should. Moisture might run the wrong way, and things are going to get rotted. You're going to have a lot of problems if things are not level. The Bible is our level when it comes to testing what we, we sense we are receiving from God. If what you've received does not align with the Bible you're going to have a lot of problems. In fact, if it doesn't align with Scripture, it's not from God. Don't follow it. God's Rima word will never contradict his Logos word. Second question. Is what you have received in line with God's character and ways? God will not contradict who he is as, revealed, as he's revealed himself in his word. He will not tell us to do something that opposes his nature. He won't ask us to do something that devalues people. That's not in God's character. It's not the way that God operates. And if we're supposed to go into his character, into a greater likeness of him, he's not going to ask some, us to do something that isn't, you know, operating in the same way that he operates. Okay, it has to align with God's character and ways. Does it bring glory to Jesus, and does it bring people closer to him? God will never give us a word that glorifies ourselves or other people. Only Jesus is completely worthy of our praise. Nor will God give a word that pushes people away from Jesus. His desire is that all people be drawn to him. Scripture teaches and directs us, and it also gives us a picture of who God is and how he operates. A Rima word will never contradict the teaching of Scripture, nor will it contradict what we are taught from Scripture regarding the character and the ways of God. Scripture, first leg of the stool. Second leg is the Holy Spirit. How can we tell if it's the Holy Spirit speaking? 
Uh, I'm not an exact master at this, but I, I do understand that we can learn something from just the tone of what we're receiving. In John uh, 16, Jesus describes the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at that just really quickly here. And I think as we do that, it can help us understand the, the tone of the Spirit as he speaks to us. And this is from Boyd Hopkins. Uh, I just want to credit that here today. The voice of God is sent to us by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the counselor or the helper, as some translations say, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Secondly, the voice of God is a convicting voice. 8 through 11. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because people do not believe in me. In regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now, there's a very important difference between conviction and condemnation. Those are not the same thing. They are very different. God's voice convicts with love and with hope. God's voice draws the sinner to himself and towards repentance. Satan loves to point out sin in our lives too. But he does that in a condemning way that often brings discouragement and even despair. John 3:17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The voice of God is a voice of truth. Verse 13. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The voice of God reveals what is to come. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The voice of God glorifies Jesus. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Now, this is what Jesus tells us in John chapter 16 regarding the Holy Spirit. And I just kind of want to summarize this now and, and give us several kind of key phrases and words that will help descriptors that will help us discern if it's the voice of God. And this, this, is a, this is a big question. On Tuesday nights, we've actually had this question a couple of times. How can I discern if it's God speaking to me? All right? So here's a bit of a description, small, from my own human perspective here, that helps us understand the voice of God. It's loving. It's hopeful. It's convicting. His voice draws us to repentance. His voice brings us peace. His voice gives us quiet confidence. Now, the enemy has a voice, too. And that voice, Satan's voice, is condemning. It's confusing. It causes anxiety. It's discouraging. Depressing, even, at times. And it brings us to a point of despair. So there's a very different tone, right? to those voices, spiritual voices that we sometimes hear. And we need that second leg, the voice, of, the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. We need that to align with what we see in Scripture in terms of it's how it's describing him. Now, the third leg of the stool, this is the people of God. We need the help of our spiritual family to discern what we receive from God. Now, since we're discerning spiritual things, it's important to talk to believers who exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need the family of God. We need spiritually mature people to help us discern when we sense that God is, is giving us a rima word. We need to seek wise counsel from them when discerning a word from God. 
Now, some people believe that, that uh, asking for advice might be a sign of weakness, but nothing is further from the truth. Scripture tells us it's actually a sign of wisdom. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. When I was departing my previous place of ministry, I had a lot of things to consider and process, and so I sought the counsel of three people, um, and I, independent of one another, and I asked them all a lot of the same things. Boyd Hopkins, um, founder of Spoken Word Ministry. His ministry is based here in Saskatoon. He travels all over the world. He was here a couple of years ago on a panel when we did a, a mental health uh, panel. Bruce Pringle, if you've been around Saskatoon for a long time, you'll, you'll know him. He's an older gentleman now, retired, but he's the founder of Christian Counseling Services. And Leighton, back there, wave, we know you. <laughs> and as I shared my situation and asked for counsel, all three of these gentlemen gave me the same advice, independent of one another. When I look back now, I'm very glad that I followed the advice of these godly brothers. Now, can it also be helpful to test this word, to seek a spiritual confirmation. Ask other spiritually mature people to pray along with you. Don't look, just simply look for someone who will tell you what you want to hear. You want to hear truth. So choose people who love God, who are wise, and have a track record of hearing God accurately. Get them to pray along with you. And if they receive a word that aligns with what you have received, this is an indication that God is speaking. So, the milk stool, three legs, Take what you believe you've received from God and test it. That's important. Now, once we have received these things from God, once we have clarity, then it's important that we obey. Again, James says, don't merely listen to the word, but do what it says. When God reveals something, it's important that we follow through and obey for a couple of reasons. First of all, obeying God the creator of the universe, when he gives us something to do, is just what we do. I mean, think about it. The Lord of all creation, when he speaks, we need to respond to that. And that's kind of a no-brainer when you think about it. But there's another very important benefit uh, that comes through obedience that we need to be aware of. And, and I want to just do my best here now to unpack what Dave Buring shares with us. Um, in his discipleship guide called A Discipleship Journey. There's several uh, in our congregation that have gone through this. Chet has used this as a discipling guide. Uh, it's been a big part of our discipling strategy here at Ebenezer. And here I'll do my best to kind of unpack what, what Dave puts very simply in his book. He links revelation when followed by obedience it leads to transformation. So he links those threes together. The process begins with revelation. God reveals his word to us. And today we specifically talked about his Rima word, but obviously God speaks through his Logos word as well. Uh, so I'm not going to unpack that, but we'll just say God reveals uh, his word to us. And that revelation is to be followed up with obedience. God reveals himself and his ways to us so that we can act on it. Not just be doers, but also hearers. And the ability to obey what God has revealed comes as we rely on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God supplies the strength we need to do what He has asked of us, we experience God in that obedience. And this encounter shapes us and changes us. We see God at work. We experience His power. We see Him impacting people with His love and His grace. And we're impacted by that as well. It's not just the, that bigger ministry that might be happening around us. We're impacted by that as well. 
And when we obey God and we experience him in the midst of that obedience, all of a sudden transformation starts to take place. Our obedience leads to transformation. Our, our character and our actions begin to align more and more with those of Jesus as we experience God in that process of obeying him. Now to quote what De Beering says, and he puts it really simply, and yet it's profound. Obedience is the engine of transformation. Obedience is the engine of transformation. When revelation is followed by obedience, the result is transformation. Now, just a final thought about revelation and obedience. When we're acting in obedience by the power of the Spirit, we can more easily and readily just leave the results to Him. Because it's about obeying, it's about obeying as, a, as a follower of Jesus. It's not about the end result. Looking to the end, to the result, puts the focus on us, and that's the wrong place. We want Jesus to be the center of our attention. But our obedience, when we focus that, that puts our eyes on God. It puts the focus on God as we allow him to work out things according to his purpose. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 5, we find a story that just came to me. Maybe this is a rhema word from God as I was putting my sermon together. Hopefully, there's lots of God at work in us as we put our sermons together. But there's a story in 2 Kings 5 that I hope ties all of this together. Revelation and obedience and then transformation. Naaman was a powerful uh, general in the nation of Aram. But Naaman had a significant health crisis. He was a leper. Now, fortunately for him, and this was just the culture of time, but fortunately for him, Naaman had an Israelite slave girl who told him about a prophet in Israel who could heal him. So Naaman got permission to go to Israel and see Elisha the prophet. When Naaman found him, Elisha chose to share his message from God for Naaman by means of a servant. Now, to put this in the context of our discussion today, this was actually God's revelation, his rima word, given to Naaman through Elisha and his servant. So Naaman received that. And I'll just read that here from 2 Kings 5. This is what Elisha had for Naaman. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now, when Naaman heard this message... He was actually a little more um, ticked off than most of us would imagine. He was furious. He actually refused to obey. And the passage says that he expected that Elisha would come out and literally wave his hands and Naaman would be healed, right? He didn't expect to be asked to go and wash in a dirty river. Or at least if he, if he had to wash, couldn't he at least wash in the cleaner rivers of Aram? But finally, after some intervention, one of the servants went and talked with, with uh, Naaman and he reasoned with him. And then finally, Naaman decided to obey and submit to what God had revealed to him through Elisha. Verse 14 of chapter 5, 2 Kings. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Naaman's obedience to God's revelation led to his healing. And this profound experience of the power of God it changed him. Now, probably the religious person, as many were at this, in this era, they would have believed in several deities, several gods, idols, different sorts of things like that. That was more than likely where Naaman was ahead of time. But after this experience of God, he was transformed into someone who wholeheartedly believed in God. 
Verse 15, then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Revelation, followed by obedience, led to his transformation. God wants to give us specific direction. Knowing him, coming in faith, coming with a posture of submission, that sets the stage for God to speak. And when he does speak to us, the follower of of Jesus needs to weigh that using the tools that God has given to us, the written word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. And once we have clarity regarding what God has for us, then we need to obey what God's given. And that experience of God in our obedience will transform us into a greater representative of Christ. So to wrap it up, three questions. What can you do to deepen your relationship with Jesus? Remember, that's the key to knowing God's voice. It comes from that intimate love relationship with him. What can you do to deepen your relationship with him? Maybe he's speaking to you even right now about some things that you can change, some things that you can do. Uh, and this is, this is one of the big questions that we have in discipleship. What is God saying to you? Maybe he's speaking to you on that front even this morning. Second question, is there anything that you're holding back from God that you should be submitting to him? Relationships, business, plans, bank accounts. I don't know. That's between you and God. But if there's something that you're not submitting to him that you're holding back, you know, that's a block to him speaking into our lives. Where do you need to, or what do you need to do? Last question, what do you need to do to walk in obedience in terms, of what God, in terms of what God has revealed to you? And these are actually the big discipling questions. What is God saying to you, and what are you going to do about that? And that's the basis of a lot of the discipleship that we do. And as we move forward in that, we experience God, and it changes us, it transforms us. Let's pray together. I'll invite the worship team to come on up at this point. Father, I want to thank you for your great love for us, and I thank you that you've not abandoned us, but that you continue to work in our lives and speak to us and shape us and and guide us. Father, we give you praise for that. And as we move through this series on how to hear you, I pray that you would give us that ability to, to be fully submitted to you, to walk in obedience, to deepen that love relationship with you, and to move forward in faith, uh, expecting you to guide us and lead us and, and, and multiply your kingdom through us as we, as we embrace you and follow what we've heard. I pray this morning that you might give us the strength to do that. And if there are any here this morning who are holding back in certain ways, I, I pray that you, would, that you would do that work in their lives and that they might uh, be able to more fully submit to you this morning because of, of the word of God and the spirit of God speaking to us. And so we give these things to you today. Um, We hold our plans lightly and loosely, um, expecting you to speak and to use us in the midst of those things. Thank you for all of this now. Thank you that you are working and that you direct your people. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, You can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.